0: Clover Brews, deep thoughts fermented over time and text. Tonight, I come to you, Aaron Crew, Juice Viverka, and we've got Gumby. Hey, what's happening? Steve. Hey. Mike. Hola. And Kelvin. Greetings. Tonight we'll be talking about dispensations, millennium, and rapture. Everybody's favorite topic.
1: picked the good one.
0: <laughs> so... Um, some of you may be turning your radio sets off about halfway through. Anyway, we will be sampling Willoughby Brewing Company, and we've got Railway Raz. I, I'll be honest, I've been looking forward to this night. Yeah.
2: He's not the only one.
0: Oh, man. Railway Raz is like—it's one of those beers that is just so well-balanced. I, I love this beer.
1: And it has that hint of raspberry that's in there and the tartness of the raspberry, just a slight tartness that gives it a really good taste.
3: I think the raspberry is pretty bold, but it's not feminine. You know, it's not like a... a... What would be known as a woman's drink is is kind of like the most manly fruity drink I've tasted as far as beer goes.
2: Yeah, despite of being fruity, the the, the uh, sweetness isn't overpowering. Mm-hmm. You know, it just has a very good balance to it. Absolutely. It's not like right.
1: drinking a raspberry pie. Yeah, right. yeah right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might be the first time I've
0: ever heard somebody use a "manly fruity drink."
3: I know. Well, last week, or uh, last podcast, <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of the, the fruit in the beer. Okay. This is, yeah, I yeah, feel...
2: Yeah, this is a better balance. Yeah. 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 No, it, this,
4: is, this is not a Kenny G CD kind of beer, you know? <laughs> it's not that. Don't worry. <laughs> How exactly does that go? <laughs> How am a few bars.
0: <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I, I, I've accidentally discovered uh, Willoughby Brewing Company over at uh, Town Hall. Through their uh, peanut butter uh, peanut butter cup porter, which will be our second beer tonight later on, which um, is heaven. Oh, in a bottle,
1: kingdom <laughs> in a cup. But actually, <laughs> yesterday I did the creme coffee. That one's very good. Ooh, and that was really good. Yeah, that's if very you good. like that peanut butter cup, that's a nice
0: second choice. Yeah, my wife and I actually cup. went out there for dinner one night, and. Uh, I think I had one of their flatbread pizzas, and I think my wife had spaghetti. But that was one of the beers that we had, and it was, oh, it was excellent.
3: Aaron, when you poured this, I noticed the first cup had a lot of, of foam, and but mine doesn't taste very carbonated. Do you think pouring, you know, kind of like got some of the carbonation out in the first one?
0: Nah, I mean, this is just one of those beers that's not quite as carbonated. But, uh... I don't know. It's it's, it's so well-balanced. It's fruity. It's smooth. It's it's almost... It's like... It's more like less a, a, a lager, but it's uh, delicious.
1: Very good. It could <laughs> be because it's a growler, too, that we took it out of. And the growler was poured yesterday. That could be. So it's settled. Yeah. But
0: fun place over in Willoughby. It's got really good food, really good beers. Um, yeah. I highly recommend going out there and just... Hanging out and having a good time. Go on
1: Wednesdays because it's $3 pint night. <laughs>
2: nice.
1: I now
0: have a go off my vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Maybe we can have a, a Bob session there one time. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. That would be
1: great. We'll have to talk to the owner. But they do have a bl- band playing in the background. Do they? Yeah. yeah they had cool. a 60s band uh, playing last night. It was decent. Oh, they are playing oh, really? Beatles it's so cool, and. Uh, a lot of the old time uh, classics, you know. Those they're really good too. We we
0: we sat around and had some good. Uh, Kelvin Kelvin brought some really really good stuff. He brought some uh, smoked salmon and and wings and all kinds of just awesome stuff. And I brought pretzels. Mike brought a bunch of snacks.
1: So we're uh, we're filled up. Yes, we are. And those wings are really good. And, Calvin, you gave me some competition, buddy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't take it personal. No, I don't take it personal. You guys I... are looking a little lean from the last one. <laughs> no, I... Well, I wish that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> Actually,
1: I, I consider it a privilege to be able to, to, when you have somebody's
2: great food, it's hey, a world. privilege to eat that. Thank you very much. I'm glad <laughs> you gentlemen enjoyed it. Pleasure bringing it.
0: You are a smoke master. Wait till you see the bill, Steve.
4: What's that? I said, wait till you see
0: the bill. That's, uh, yeah, that's true. You won't be that privileged. Right. No good, yeah. Hey, the check's in the mail. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: well, he might be the first one raptured tonight. <laughs> Ooh, that could happen, Kent. Ouch. We'll use that. that as, <laughs> we'll use that as the segue. So we're talking about dispensationalism and her children. The Rapture, and The Millennial Reign. Um, So, anybody, what are your thoughts on dispensationalism?
1: The room just got quiet. It got quiet because um, I never really got my head around it to really understand exactly what it was. It's uh, Early in my Christian walk, uh, I went to a study through it, but it was very confusing to me. So I really... And I just kind of never really delved into it really heavily. That's actually a great evangelical definition
4: of it, isn't it? <laughs> that was, was fusing, <laughs> but we got through
1: it. <laughs> that sums up so many people view of well, it. I think. Well, exactly. But I think since I've been with you guys and things have happened to me, to where now I really dig into what's being taught and preached and spoken from the from our pulpits and from from our, our radio heroes, you know, who we listened to, you know, for all those years and to realize that, you know, some of them, although they sound, they're all wonderful and nice and make you feel good and all this, but really deep down when it comes down to what they're really actually saying is it's really not true. Yeah. When you actually delve into it and, and really hone in and put the microscope to it all, and that's, kind of this is another one of those cases where we're kind of led down a little happy trail.
2: If I could add something to that, I also it's like nuts. to say it seems to be one of those topics when you initially get into it unless you're gonna pursue it with deep intentions. If you just stay on the surface as you get older and you and you look back, you really have to wonder is it structured like that, so you don't understand it
0: mm. that's a very interesting point that's a very interesting point
4: i've I've thought that too yeah the more the more I research it, the more I study right. it yeah it's
2: because as you grow you yeah. back, why does it have to be so convoluted
4: yeah, i mean if in the body of Christ it seems to have caused more division, i think than. Um, you know, then the opposite, really. I would agree. it's Not unifying.
1: Yeah, I would. Agree. Very non-unifying because it's it's yeah. it, it kind of divides the sides, and if you aren't of one ilk, you are therefore just kind of looked down upon, shunned. You know, exactly.
0: Well, uh, to give you a, a paragraph. Uh, each dispensation is marked by a cycle. God reveals himself and his truth to humanity in a new way. Humanity is held responsible to conform to that revelation. Humanity rebels and fails the test. God judges humanity and introduces a new period of probation under a new administration. Ultimately, dispensationalism demonstrates the progress of God's revelation to, God, uh, to man and god's sovereignty through history that's uh just a one paragraph from uh, wikipedia
1: so essentially we get saved over and over and over again we disobey therefore we get punished and therefore then we're restored and we go through this cycle over and over and over
0: i mean the, the idea the idea behind dispensationalism is that there's different quote-unquote dispensations and that there's i believe there's seven i believe there that uh supposedly took place um and that each one man has failed and so god brings about uh, a new trial a new dispensation to try to bring mankind back under his wing again um it's actually here i'll, I'll sum it up once again, I'm going to use the masterful Wikipedia again. Um, we've got the first, which is Innocence. Adam under probation prior to the Fall. Ends with expulsion from the Garden of, of Eden. Some refer to this period as the Edemic period or the dispensation of Edemic covenant or Edemic law. The next would be Conscience. From the Fall to the Great Flood. Ends with the worldwide deluge. Human government. After the Great Flood, humanity responsible to enact the death penalty. Ends with the dispersion at the Tower of Babel. Some use the term Niohide Law <clears throat> in reference to this period of, of dispensation. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists, perk your ears up. <laughs> Promised <laughs> from Abraham to Moses ends with the refusal to enter Canaan and the forty years of unbelief in the wilderness. Some use the terms Abrahamic or Abrahamic Covenant in reference to this period of dispensation. Law from Moses to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ ends with the scattering of Israel in AD 70. Some use the term Mosaic Law in reference to this period of dispensation. Grace from the cross to the rapture of the church. The rapture is followed by the wrath of God comprising the great tribulation. Some use the terms age of grace or the church age for this dispensation. And finally, millennial kingdom, a 1,000 year reign of Christ on earth centered in Jerusalem ends with God's judgment on the final rebellion. Okay, now it's perfectly clear, right? (laughs) Clear as much. I just want to make sure that you understand it now and that you fully comprehensible. It's, I mean, dispensationalism, we'll get into the history in just a little bit. We're going to explain each one of the three topics before going into the history of it. But um, it's one of those weird laws that just mankind kind of created. Because if you go through the Bible, there actually is no set dispensations. I mean, the word dispensation is used at one point, but so are a lot of other words, you know. And obviously in some Bibles, Jehovah is used, but I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, right? So, <laughs> right? right? You know, I go on and on and on with that. But um, it's, it's just one of those, those man-made systems where people sat down and tried to create something to try to understand it better but uh, I think more or less muddied the waters. Any thoughts on that?
2: Uh, Well, this was brought up previously if you speak about another religion. It could be whatever you're following, but there's a basic structure that unites that group. And they follow that. Well, this, if we're all under one banner. It's created dissension among many of us because we come to different conclusions because of the way it's presented to us. You know what I mean? It's 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 it's, it's hard to digest, understand, tolerate. And then if if for those who are the, the real hardcore sticklers and not knocking anybody who chooses not to follow it in depth, that's not where I'm going with this. But for those who are really trying to become... The utmost student, and I'm trying to break this down. Then you have to question once you continue. Oh man, why is it so structured? You know, why is it written this way, and why is it presented this way? You know, then you question. You know, their agenda for presenting it this way. You
3: know? <laughs>
2: mm. How sincere are you, or is there an ulterior motive? And then you right back to where you started. You know, different different, different views,
0: you know? right? right one one may even wonder if dispensationalism isn't even worse than all the extra laws that were set down by uh, say the Catholic Church I mean if you look at it the catholic church it, there's there's a lot of rules, but uh the catholic, catholic Church is still around, and uh just about as strong as ever was just as about as many as there ever was. So, in reality, it's almost like the antithesis of what dispensationalism has caused. You know, if if you look at, uh, and I use that because there's more laws and rules and regulations in uh, Catholicism than there is in, say, Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is a little more lenient on that stuff. But, um, I mean, they're still around, you know. They're still going strong, whereas dispensationalism has given birth to who knows how many denominations now? How many? Well, I, I, it has been very lucrative for a few people, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's true. Left behind series and <laughs> <laughs>
4: leave, <laughs> right. Leave Kirk Cameron out of this, okay?
1: <laughs> but but ac- actually, it's really strange because I'm actually involved in. Uh, uh, as you guys probably know, that I'm leading a. A movement of uh, sixty days praying for the nations, which so is admirable. Of, which one of the nations? Sure. One of the nations that we prayed for, that was prayed for this week, was uh, it was a predominantly Christian nation, um, mainly because of the efforts of, of a particular denomination. But however, it's caused a huge nominalism, I guess, basically with among the people because of a wealth and prosperity gospel that was preached to them in a very not so wealthy country. That's very, uh, deals with poverty and deals with starvation and, and just the resources really are not there to make anybody wealthy. So it, it causes a lot of confusion and that's, one of the things that was on the prayer request that to, to pray against that because of, of well-meaning intended people, however, in wrong context.
0: How dare you, Steve, try and take everybody's Lamborghinis away.
1: <laughs> well, they're lucky if they even have a bicycle, let alone a, a Lamborghini. <laughs> Only because their faith isn't high enough. I understand that. <laughs> Neither is mine.
4: Yeah, you know what rubs me wrong about uh, dispensationalism and that whole—in the big picture, for me, it leaves a lot of gray areas with with under the umbrella of Christianity. And when there's a lot of gray area—I hate to bring up the word, but I'm going to bring up the word—things can get political. And people will use certain aspects of, quote-unquote, Christianity and politicize it. And you know, and, and go on these conquests, or have wars, and all of these different theologies uh, somehow always seem to match up just right to back things up. Uh, so I, you know, it's hard for me to really separate the a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the uh, the ideas of dispensationalism, and, and not be political
1: anymore. I just I see so much of it playing out. Well, I'll, I'll throw a big wrench in this right now, just with our nation alone. Sure. And many Christians believe that we are a Christian nation. We are not a Christian nation. We are a republic. And that's how our founding fathers had created it. I mean, it's created true. it as. And everybody believes that we are a fully 100% Christian nation, and it is not a, We're a melting pot here. Right. And uh we we offer freedom and things like that, which is the awesomeness of our country, but we are not a Christian nation, yeah. and I know all the all these people just turned it off
0: <laughs>
1: oh, that's a great sorry point. yeah
4: no. i mean for for me, I think about theology, and uh, I think it's brother Nathaniel Kapner who says uh I, at least I've heard him say it, bad morals." follow bad theology. And when I look at our country and our morals and how we're acting out of certain things, I can find a thread through dispensationalism, and you can start tying some things together. Absolutely. And why it doesn't change, why it continues, and somehow it's still justified. It's baffling. That's where the conspiracy theories come in. I'm not even going to say <laughs> it. Right, the wrong conspiracy theories. I know, I know. No, the
1: radios are definitely turned off.
4: <laughs> but you know what? It cracks me up. The mental and spiritual hoops we have to jump through to still call ourselves a Christian nation, despite everything, uh, I, I know there's a lot of great people individually. I'm not talking about an individual We understand state, where you're going. But corporately as a nation, when I see our our actions it's it I agree with you Steve it's hard to call ourselves a Christian nation maybe a godly nation someone could say there's an argument for that but then whose God are we
2: serving absolutely not yeah. there's Nationally. a term I often use when referring to myself I say um, if I'm Joe Blow and I see this I have no title I have no big organization that I'm leading I'm just a person trying to find my way and trying to be the best I can if I see this, are you saying the upper echelon doesn't something's wrong somewhere mm. yeah, if I can break this down and I might not be as astute as somebody else who studies uh uh or or is involved on a on a far deeper level than I am, that's understandable, but they know where I'm going, yeah. And they'll try to be evasive when it's presented it's a great point
0: yeah 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 it's uh i love brother nathaniel (laughs) yeah you're right man love you man (laughs) let's step on let's step off to the first child the rapture (laughs) now this brings up a question who in the room is gonna bet on a pre-trib rapture. Anybody? Okay, mid. I used to be pre-trib. Mid-trib. No. Oh, at least a post-trib, right? No. No. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> because you know, at some point, it's gotta happen, right?
4: Imminence. Imminence. <laughs>
0: In, uh, in Christian eschatology, the rapture refers to the predicted end-time event when all Christian believers, living and resurrected dead, will rise into the sky and join Christ for eternity. This event is predicted and described without the term rapture in Paul's first
1: epistle to the
0: Thessalonians. Um, we'll, stop there. we'll stop there for a second. So, Let's
1: dissect that. That piece of scripture right there in Thessalonians 4.
0: We're going to. Actually, we're going to go through the passages in the second half of the podcast. We are doing that.
1: You we save the best for last. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, I, 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 and I want you to put this on your brains right now. Are you a splitter or are you a joiner? All right? So keep that in the back of your head because we'll be asking that question later. Um but that it, it, it's it's a weird argument. I see all these people getting into huge, like hundred plus long, you know, threaded debates online, you know, on various forums about no no, it's definitely a pre trib, pre wrath deal. And the other, and, and that's where you bring up your doctrine of, of eminence from, right? Yeah. Because God can appear at any time. Jesus can appear at any single moment. Right? He
3: yep. can.
0: But Only pre-tribbers say that because only pre-tribbers believe that there are no signs. Everybody else, whether you're mid-trib, post-trib, amillennial, preterist, everybody else, well, preterist might walk a different line. Anyway, anybody else believes that there's signs to the second coming. And if there's no signs to the second coming, and it's eminent at any time, you are a pre-tribber.
4: Yeah, I can't tell you how many sermons I've been through sitting, hearing these words. Before we leave this service, you can come back right now at the sound of a trumpet. And that's why I want to take up this last offering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a second more time. It's more about the offering than it is anything else. But, but I, I think I'm one of the things, if you, if you look at the nature of God, who he is, and and as yahweh he he can do anything no argument and and there's no argument with that and and to to appear at any given moment can happen at any given moment but doesn't make it mean that he's his a this sign of his appearance would be a certain thing but but now are you
0: applying that to the coming wrath okay and us getting raptured out before that, or are you talking about the second coming? Because that defines whether you're a pre-tribber or whether you're an amillennialist. Because if you're an amillennialist, when he comes back, it's the second coming, that's it. It's all done. If you're a pre-tribber, then you are getting pulled out at that point and then the wrath takes place and all of those heathen gentile scum that didn't believe.
1: Well well the other thing I have to say to that is is that <laughs> so rough, <laughs> Actually if you look at if you look at how God has operated, I mean he's the same in the old testament as he is in the New Testament. If you look at that. And nothing comes easy. And that is probably the easiest way out. They could ever think about it. As long as I believe in Jesus and make him Yahweh, I'm taken care of and I'm and I'm gonna blink be blinked out of here and I don't have to put up with this life no more. And if that was the case, then why would God go through all the things that he went through when all he had to do was just blink and it was over?
0: We're glad to see you are invested in the millennial fire insurance.
1: <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is is that yeah, the fire insurance thing, which I, which I can't stand, <laughs> you know. So I mean, the thing is to realize is that that God builds character in our life. I'm digesting this. You're you're getting a big, huge outward version of all this, and 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 I don't know what I believe right now. To be really straight up and honest with you, and and I, you know what, I think a lot of it's a lot of. A lot of stuff is a lot of hogwash, personally. But that's honest. Thanks. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's and and I and I and I agree with that. Now, I don't think God put me on this earth to just pull me right out of here in a blink of an eye, and and that's it, you know. Because you know what? I'm here for a purpose and a reason, and 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 that's what He brought me here for, and that for that reason, and how that works out. And I also believe that that the kingdom of heaven they talk about is right here. Because it's in a realm that we don't see. It's in the air around us that we don't see. And and as they say, when you pull that envelope over and look at that spiritual realm that's on that other as they call that fourth and fifth, sixth dimension that's that's out there, that's more believable. To realize that he is they say, you know, there's dimensions that are talked about this new heaven and earth that's gonna come down. Realize that it, it's 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 a when you look at the the size of that it's not a really huge area, and something has to fit in all that. And it, it's not like five people are going to get you know five people are going to be there or whatever, but it's everybody who who has believed in Yahweh has accepted him as their Lord, and 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 and, the, and been let him lead their life, and you know what in that other realm it fits.
4: That's a good point Very
2: good
1: point Didn't
4: somebody in the New Testament say Behold the kingdom of heaven is among you Right That's Absolutely
3: interesting
4: right Yeah Got his name Doggone it It's easy. the beer
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well that's why I don't commit Because I think You know The more I research And Kind of Venture off uh, From the beaten path I I feel like The more I I feel at ease with Not knowing for sure So being noncommittal to any of these labels, I, I feel that's where I'm most comfortable. For example, I, I could foresee half the people being removed from the earth before catastrophe happens, but not that catastrophe didn't take them from the earth like a nuclear bomb, you know, but the fact that they didn't suffer the repercussions of that, you know, and, and we don't know the plan. So, I could see all being right. I could see none of them being right. I could see like I'm just I'm just waiting cuz I think God meets us, you know, when when he went to the cross and and he rose again and saints rose again and um, you know, your time is your time. God's time is God's time and we all probably have a time with God, you know, if we die before he comes back. I don't I don't believe we wait, you know, we're there in heaven, you know. So That's just my little soapbox. No, that's
0: good. It's a very good point. No, no, that's true. That's true.
4: And it has to be okay to say that, yeah, we just don't have the answer. I don't, not for sure.
2: I admire the fact that everybody's, or as a group, we don't have a problem stepping out of the box, maybe from a traditional standpoint. I think that's what's wrong with many of us. We feel that, well, I don't want to be looked at funny. I don't want to feel that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going along with the group. Yeah, you're, you're trying to be the best you can be as you learn, as you grow, as you, as you polish yourself. So as you feel your way, it's just like a baby walking. Mm-hmm. You're studying, and you're not going to finish studying until you pass on. You know that's the way it should be. Yeah.
1: And I'm not a lemming. Um. <laughs> Let's not go too
0: far. <laughs> well, it's. Yeah, I think the different views are fine. I, I I honestly I honestly don't believe the end is written down anywhere. Not even in the Bible. I don't believe that the end is written down anywhere. And I might be trailing off a little bit here, but. Um, if it if God gave us a roadmap of all the end times events then you know this this little guy over here that we call you know the devil or Satan or Lucifer or Ben al Shaka whatever um <laughs> this little guy over here he'd be like okay well I know he's gonna do this I know he's gonna do this and he'd be able to create all the plans he wanted to right you like, okay, Absolutely. well, I know he's going to do this tomorrow. Let's see. I'll prepare uh, see. He gets his hair cut on Wednesday. Um, he's got to pick up Are his car right? on Tuesday. I'm going to plant the bomb over here on Friday. Right? So it's like, you know, I, I honestly don't believe that it's written down anywhere solidly for us. I believe there, there's hints. But... You you can't lay down. That's, that's like that's that's like us walking over during the Cold War and saying, yo, yo, Russia, hey, hey, we're gonna do this right now, right? Or during Afghanistan, just walking over and you know, telling the poor goat herders what we're gonna do next, right? So I mean, it's 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 ridiculous.
1: So honestly. But actually I think that really cheapens our salvation too. Because if, if it was certain signs, I could do whatever I want to do. And it all of a sudden, like point. decide, okay, I'm going to get right now two yeah. two 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 minutes before it all happens, you know, because I know the plan.
2: Yeah, absolutely and, right. And
1: and you know what? That's that's hypocrisy at its best. And, and and Jesus seen right through that. And like he says, you don't. We don't know the day or the hour. So why are we going around predicting something that we don't know? And yeah. he said we don't know it. And he doesn't even know it.
3: That's so why I've heard the fire uh, insurance joke a few times, but I actually think that's what you guys are saying right now. You know, you do you need to buy the fire insurance. You just don't need to use it as a tactic, as a sales tactic. You know what I mean? Like, like it's OK to know ramifications for procrastinating and, uh, you know, not really committing your life to the Lord. Go ahead, Aaron. I know something's <laughs> getting ready to explode here. <laughs> I,
0: I honestly don't. I don't believe in fire insurance. Um, that's okay, if, if we shoot back to the Middle Ages, the Constantine, for example, why did Constantine not get baptized until he was on his deathbed?
2: He felt it's now time to make the sacrifice?
0: No, no. because during the during early Christianity all the way through into the Middle Ages, people figured, oh, you know what? if I commit to Christianity, then I have to stop everything else I'm doing. I have I have to stop oh, okay. sinning. I right, have to stop. Right, 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 right. And so what they would do is they would postpone their baptism until their deathbed. That's fire insurance. Okay. What I'm talking about is I believe in, and hey, crucify me for this. I believe in a progressive salvation. Well, what what
4: Constantine did is it any
0: different than what the thief did next to Christ on the cross? Well, yes, but he didn't get yes, there is though. Because well, but the thief on the cross, he had an excuse. He didn't know the savior until he was on the cross next to him.
2: I see what you're saying, yeah. Whereas Constantine knew about it all along. And he chose not to. Correct.
0: And that and it was a common practice. Right. It wasn't just him. It was actually a very common practice. Because he liked this sin. Right. Right. And you're no you're not responsible until you get baptized. So and I do believe in a progressive Christianity. Like I was saying uh, last time, like martial arts. Yeah, I'm gonna start martial arts now. Doesn't mean I'm a good martial artist, just means I'm committed to martial arts. So yeah, I am a martial artist, but I'm not a good martial artist, right? Uh, I'm, I, I can't even do a head kick when I start. I, I can't do anything, squat. I, I can barely get a stance right, right? So I do believe in a progressive salvation because you should get better at your faith throughout your life. You should, your life should get better, your walk should get better, your faith should get better. You should know what you believe throughout your life as you progress in your spiritual journey. So I do believe in a progressive salvation, working your salvation out with fear and trembling.
3: Yeah, and I—that's not what I mean by fire insurance and waiting till the last minute. You can't even buy insurance if you're on your deathbed because who in the right mind is going to insure you <laughs> for, the, for that? Hey, Excellent. my house is on fire. Can I buy fire insurance? No, it's not a worry like that. You, you mean need.
2: that they're not selling it for moral reasons? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, right. So I mean, the there could be an the, for the that. Scriptures <laughs> that kind of even, but the scriptures
1: that even back up with what you're saying, though, Aaron, Aaron when even Paul says that you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And it, and it is a progress. It is a progress. Because if it was if it wasn't a progress, then if you made your commitment to Christ, then you would immediately be perfect. Right. And and God didn't make it that way. And so it, it, it is a lifestyle. It is a it is decisions that you make. And and you make many poor decisions as you progress, but as you learn from those decisions, because a lot of those decisions have repercussions and they have consequences. If I could add something to oh, that. Yeah, please, too? please, please,
2: please. Uh, here's a good example. We don't even go the martial art route. You as a father, me as a father, we've been <laughs> knowing each other a long time. Long time. From your first child to the to the one that you have now. Oh, it's Have be you horrible. not progressed tremendously as a father? <laughs> have you evolved tremendously? Uh yes, that's, yes I to have. To me that that's the walk and face, that's that's the <laughs> polish. That's to, to analyze your views and say I don't want my children to do some of the same mistakes that I did, and I want them to have a, a stronger structure from the wisdom. And the same with me, you know. So that's a
4: great point. I, yeah, I, I think totally there's some agree. stories I think Calvin wants to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't
2: <believe laughs> that. But even Sunday
1: when we had that conversation with your daughter Erin, yeah, and, and and she was like, she looked so like surprised, like, wow. You know, this guy's saying the same thing my dad says. Yeah,
0: right,
1: <laughs> you know? Right. But you know what? But it's but it's but it's it's it was neat to see her really understand it, you Who know. Mean, and you and, were and saying the same thing? I was saying I was talking like her dad. Okay. You know, to her. But just talking about general things in life up with her, you know? And she was like she was just so like but it, but it was it was it was kind of it validated him very much so but what happened with it was that she realized that that all of a sudden she realized like life is just not an easy thing and it that what appears to be good is not always good and she was like surprised by that and and so i mean it was it was a really neat conversation that we had with her to realize that wow and and, and it was like i mean i walked away and i thought what did I just say? <laughs> exactly, but you know, it's like, but what I said, but I, I, you seen it in her? It was like the light bulb just started going off, Absolutely. which is really, I mean, that's what we're here for—to help our young people, to help others, to help them grow. It is because she has to work out her salvation. Yeah, you know, it's it's something we have to do each by ourselves, and and and, and to, and I think what this this these things that are that we're talking about today. I think they cheapen that.
4: Mm. It's good for kids too because sometimes they think. At least, at least I know with my kids, they're like, "I hope somebody else is thinking like you, Dad," because I don't want to just think you're crazy, man. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, uh, does Aaron talk about that? Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> or does, you know, he, he, he he think that way too? <laughs> yeah, he,
4: he thinks that way. We might not all agree on everything, or we're you no. know figuring things out. But I'm not the only one out there thinking these things,
1: right? And it's
4: a safe place to kind of work these thoughts out.
1: And, and what I like about your kids is your kids question everything. They do. Awesome. Yeah. You know, you just can't tell them something and they just walk away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: they they question it.
1: <laughs> but you know what's
2: important, too? It's important for you to let them know that it's okay to question. Sure. Yeah. You know, depending on some routes or some branches of religions that you've been raised in, don't question this. Right. Take it, mm-hmm. you know.
1: And, and, and
2: your just
3: revealed in you too, Mike. You know. Yeah, we like to think they're raised in a, a safe place. Um, I think it's interesting because as you go through your journey as a Christian, um, you have these people that maybe you put on pedestals. And then as you uh, solidify your relationship and realize you differ and you step away from the people you've sort of idolized, there's a cleaving, painful process, and then you pull away. And then once that healing happens... You're just, you're just that much more sound. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in my wife, you know, where we used to, I'd come home and talk, talk to her about things we've talked about here, mm-hmm. and she'd get offended, and, and I realized after a while that was fear. She didn't want to cleave from some of the really dogmatic thoughts, you know, and, and yeah. it feels scary because you're stepping away from the main group. But then once you do and oh, you find, yes. yeah, exactly. We don't want to be out. We're social people.
4: Yeah, it's true. And
3: uh, but then you you feel like you're on your own two feet and you get more brave in your decision. I'm I'm sure there's an Achilles heel to
1: that too. You can't get careless with it. Correct. Yeah. Agreed. And my wife, uh, and my wife says, now explain this all to me because she wants she wants to learn about it. And then, like, to me, it's like, okay, I don't remember it all.
2: So it's like, so I'm trying to, like, explain it, and all of a sudden,
1: like, which my wife is way deeper than I am, yeah. and uh, very much, because she was raised Orthodox. Right. So there's a lot of that in her, and, and so when I start talking about things of Orthodoxy, she corrects me a lot of times, like, well, you're not totally right, but, you know, which is okay. Uh, but That's but my good. wife is uh, a very much so a... Uh, Uh, She doesn't accept anything from anybody. She doesn't trust anybody. Uh, She's been burnt very hard by the church. And uh, she's very standoffish. Uh, But uh, you just can't say anything. And that's how she got saved. Because uh, we went to a Bible study and she didn't believe him. And so she stayed up all night and pulled her Bible out and determined that what this teacher had taught was correct. And she gave in to Christ, and she she read a little itty bitty little small print Bible and stayed up all night and read it. You
4: don't have to go into great detail, but if can I just ask what is her belief on the rapture was did she believe in the rapture or any?
1: um, I think she's we're not sure yet okay we enough. We wore in that direction because of the teachings and things that we've kind of went under. Which is very much, the Orthodox Church doesn't believe in the rapture. No. Excellent point. So that was kind of like a, that was one of those things where she's kind of really wrestled with it. And then she kind of went out of that realm and totally went the evangelical round. Yeah. And now she's kind of, uh, she's sort of circling back to the Orthodox thought process a little bit. But she's kind of, uh, because of some of the things that happened to her through the Orthodox Church, she's still a little bit, she doesn't, it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fight going on right now with all this. Yeah. That's a well, great at, point.
0: I can add yours uh, that no church that's over 500 years old believes in a rapture. Yeah, so,
4: it's not there. No. It's, it's literally a newer movement within.
0: Over the last 200 years. Christi-
4: it, yeah, it's.
1: Well, the 1800s. Uh, eighteen twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be precise. But uh, it, 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 to me, it's it's the cheap way out.
4: And I only asked that about your wife. I don't. I didn't want to dig too deep. No, into that's that because fine. Yeah, my wife. Um, she grew up in a pastor's family, evangelical assemblies of God, and they were born and bred knowing all of that doctrine, and from a little child. And I can even relate to this. We remember all of these teachings, all of these movies that were downright scary and abusive to little yeah. kids, right. About being taken away from your parents, or being on a swing, your mommy's pushing you, all of a sudden you look back and no one's there, or the kid's right. gone, or right. being on an airplane and then the plane's going down because the pilot, no pilot went up yeah, Jesus,
2: absolutely right.
4: All of these crazy things I remember watching, and and my wife, you know, was born this, uh, raised with the same teachings, and it's fear indoctrinating. To mm-hmm. go back to our indoctrination work but it really is it thank you mike and, yeah. <laughs> um, i'm not saying that this is anybody's agenda or anything but if you're looking to control a group mind
2: excellent way to via do it.
4: dispensationalism it's a great way to do it
0: yeah and and, and, and you're right about about um the media hollywood um, because it wasn't just the Left Behind series, which... Oh, my gosh. Remember Distant Thunder, A Thief
4: in a Night? Right. Mm-hmm. But not remember only those? that, it, oh, it's... those? Yeah. Yeah. of oh, yeah. those back? Never heard of oh, them. Oh, my Man, you can Well oh, these were back you in could, the 70s. I've, yeah, yeah I've you can watch them on YouTube. Yeah. It's, but
0: uh, it, it never stopped. I mean, uh, Nicolas Cage yeah. he did uh, a Left Behind movie. Yeah. But not only that, if you... Even up till now, HBO has a whole series running. It's its third season called The Leftovers it's all about the people who are left over after, after the rapture and tells their story. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, that's completely secular. And even they're cashing in on it.
2: Yeah. so Steve, I want to say something. When you said there's a fight, you know, when you're speaking of your wife, how the fight's going on a little bit. I always think the fight is good. The fight is good. Because there's, that means you're not dormant. And, and my wife's not the person
1: where you just, you just can't just dupe her over. Cause she will just grab a hold of it like a bulldog on a piece of leather, man.
2: You're still searching. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, dear. Don't mean
1: that. Wasn't meant bad. (laughs) Disgrace. I I understand.
2: No, I understand totally.
0: Warriors are forged in the fires of adversity. (laughs) Exactly. I I wrote that a long
1: time ago. I wrote that a long time ago. (laughs) But you know, that's a trait that she has that that I've kind of taken up too to realize that just don't. You just don't accept things as they're given to you, yeah. And you got to put some facts behind it. And you got to put research about it, and 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 she's and she's kind of taught me that. That's great.
4: My wife never truly, truly believed in it, too. It took me a long time in our marriage to finally realize that about her. Until we actually had the talk about it, she's like, "Oh yeah, I never really believed that anyway." <laughs> and I was just blown away. I'm like, "Well, it's true," you know, because at the time, I remember. A lot of Hagee books around and Copeland. But Hagee is like the father right now of dispensationalism.
1: And I love the brother Nathaniel.
4: He's He's the biggest pusher of this right now. I mean, he's...
0: He's quite the salesman.
4: And uh, I just remember being blown away thinking, well, wait a minute, you were a pastor's daughter. And you're telling me you don't believe this? No. You know, women seem to be ahead of the
0: guys a little bit. Generally they are. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm still trying to pull my wife out of it, but. <laughs> um, and, and the rapture is supposed to have specific attributes. So like uh, the tribulation begins the latter half of which is called the Great Tribulation. Uh, the Antichrist begins his cruel reign in the mid- middle of the seven years he prescribes Jewish worship at the temple. Uh, terrible judgments fall on the earth. A remnant of Israel, one hundred forty-four thousand, believes in Jesus as the Messiah and preaches the gospel of the kingdom. Through their witness, a multitude of Gentiles are saved. Toward the end, a number of military battles take place, leading up to the Battle of Armageddon. And swords. that's <laughs> that. Encapsula- that. That really encapu- yeah, encapsulates. Uh, The idea of what the rapture entails, the events around the rapture. So.
4: Yeah, and again, if there's any, any political motivations anywhere, that's some really good doctrine to go by. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out
0: there. Do what you want with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's here's a quote from one of the uh, rapture ready type of. You know, propaganda. At the end of the seven year period, dispensationalists teach Christ, together with the church, returns in glory and destroys his enemies. The vast majority of Israelites will be converted, Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. Believers who died during the tribulation and Old Testament saints will be raised and join the church in heaven. Christ will judge the living Gentiles. The quote-unquote goats will be cast into hell. The quote-unquote sheep and the believing Jews still living will enter the millennial, millennium in their natural bodies. They will marry, reproduce, and die. The resurrection believers will live in the heavenly Jerusalem, hovering above the earthly Jerusalem. The millennium will be a golden age, a time of prosperity and peace with worship centering around the rebuilt temple. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I I still don't understand the rebuilt temple. I I really don't. Why do we need a rebuilt temple? As Dr. Heiser says, why don't you just hand them a Bible? Why do they need to look at sacrifices? Did any of us need to see sacrifices to believe?
4: As simple as saying is what christ did wasn't good enough you're it right. wasn't sufficient
0: uh, right
4: <laughs> i mean I, that's kind of blunt but yeah if we still need the temple we still so we're not the temple but and we still need so Sabbath you're looking christ. at
2: a building as a
0: yeah, that's yeah. they. They believe that the that the quote unquote second temple, which technically would be the third temple, by the way, because there's been two temples. Okay. But anyway, both they believe, destroyed. Yeah, right. They believe the second temple um, will be rebuilt. Sacrifices will be reestablished during the millennial kingdom. Now, I, I really don't understand that because isn't the lion supposed to lay down with the lamb? Right. Uh, isn't all this violence supposed to cease? Hold on. Right, right,
2: right. Yeah.
0: What's up with the sacrifices? It's kind of a bloody mess.
4: I think. Well, within Orthodox Judaism, that's that's when they believe their Messiah will come. You know, they don't, and, and again, I mean, it's taboo or not, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, so they're still anticipating their earthly Messiah. Right. Okay. That's true. And so... That's why they want a temple. That's why there's going to be sacrifices until then. Yeah. And that leads us
0: into the millennium. It's a little bit of a rub. <laughs> Millennialism is a specific type of Christian millenarianism and is sometimes referred to as chiliasm. From the new testament use of the greek kilia thousand it is part of the broader form of apocalyptic expectation a core doctrine in some variations of christian eschatology is the expectation that the second coming is very near and that there will be establishment of king of kingdom of god on earth according to an interpretation of prophecies in the book of revelation this kingdom of god on earth will last a thousand years or more The application of an apocalyptic timetable to the establishment or changing of the world has happened in many cultures and religions, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to add to this, because um, here's one thing that they don't talk about when it comes to the millenarianism, Kellyism, etc., etc., etc. If there's a rapture, if there's a rapture before the tribulation, before the millennium, Then isn't that a third coming? Because we always talk about the second coming, but technically, if people are raptured, and then there's that's that's would be a third coming, right? I mean, I'm it does
1: put him in that position.
0: I'm no calculus master, but I can count (laughs) one to five.
1: But also, why point? (laughs) But if we had a rapture, then when we would be propelled into heaven, in in a perfect kingdom be returned back to what really (laughs) no i want to stay here (laughs) if i'm going there i want to stay there around where jesus is you know i don't want to come back here yeah you're right
4: well and again the whole idea of it really really seems to just chip away at the work of christ the work he did here right the work we're supposed to model our lives after to do on earth. It it negates that responsibility.
0: Yeah. yeah we're going to touch on that uh, in the second half too because there's ramifications mm. of this teaching that go much deeper and hurt the church in many, many ways. But we'll, we'll touch on that in the second half Coming up here shortly. I know Um, Cleveland, it
4: as a city was kind of duped by the second coming because we thought that was LeBron.
0: Mm -hmm. Finally coming from Miami. Sorry. That's the that's the Yeah, but lightning can't strike twice. (laughs) Talk about it. He's gonna come a third time and we're gonna take that gold again. That's right.
4: (laughs) We're not complaining about it.
0: So be a (laughs) three-peat. So here's here's where it gets interesting. Let's go over the history of dispensationalism. And I think that one of the things that really pushes the idea of dispensationalism forward is uh is because people actually don't understand the history of it. People always think, Oh, it's been taught since the beginning. And it hasn't. It's actually only been the two hundred first you know, last two hundred years. So let's go over this real quick. I'm gonna read off this um John Nelson Darby learned of the idea of a quote-unquote rapture from Edwin Irving, a minister that founded the Catholic Apostolic Church where he was so successful that they built a larger church to house his growing congregation. It wasn't long, however, before his parishioners began to wane with his increasing emphasis on end-times messages. Does this sound familiar? Just a tad. Okay. No. I know few pastors. <laughs> Just a tad. It was in 1826. He was the center of a school of the prophets, quote-unquote, which echoes the early, uh, during David's time, there was a school of the prophets. In the Old Testament, uh, which published the Morning Watch or quarterly journal of prophecy periodically from eighteen twenty nine to eighteen thirty three. In eighteen twenty eight, his doctrine of the incarnation opened aroused opposition for its denigration of the human side of Christ's nature. Once again, that echoes back to the councils. His Christ's human side. Geez, where have we heard that before? Wasn't that part of the apostasies in the early church? Yeah, Jesus wasn't really human. This
1: almost sounds like uh, Jehovah's Witness. It goes through and through and through.
4: That's true. I mean, back then, immediately
0: identified as heresy. Right. Today, not so much. (laughs) Make a good book. Right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, once you get away from the councils. Anyway, after a similar work by him appeared... In 1830, he was charged in ecclesiastical courts with maintaining the sinfulness of Christ's humanity, quote-unquote. Despite his protest that he had been misinterpreted, he was excommunicated by the London Presbytery, and in 1833, he was deposed from his ministry by the Church of Scotland. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Enter Schofield. During this period... (laughs) He also came under the influence of a Dallas Presbyterian minister who had imbibed the dispensationalist teachings of John Nelson Darby and the Plymouth Brethren. In 1888, Schofield wrote his own book about dispensationalism, rightly dividing the word of truth, which catapulted him into the ranks of the doctrine's foremost apologists this is where it gets really really interesting and this is where the course of western theology changed across predominantly america at the invitation of d.l moody himself hmm, that name sounds familiar schofield resigned his dallas pastorate in 1895 and moved to northfield massachusetts to become pastor of a congregational church there and assist in managing the annual northfield bible conference and eventually became the president of the northfield bible training school feeling called to produce a reference bible that would embody all of the dispensationalist and higher life emphasis of the bible conference movement schofield resigned from his other duties in 1903 and turned his attention full-time to his project the schofield reference bible was published in 1909 by Oxford University Press, and it and various revised versions became a fixture within conservative Protestant circles, eventually selling more than two million, million copies. I almost choked on that word. It was often joked that its readers had a difficult time separating the biblical text from the volume's copious notes. So. Schofield <laughs> continued on as a popular speaker and in 1914 with his protege lewis sperry chafer founded the philadelphia school of the bible so this is where we find ourselves today because how many people know somebody who has a schofield reference bible
2: actually
1: i have one
0: i have one i have one so right there at least two-thirds of us Do you never had one <laughs> I,
3: don't, I don't know. Now I know people that have them, but like <laughs> <laughs> uh, gummy. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know there were
4: other
0: ones out there. That right? That. Yeah. So, right there. I mean, what, I what mean, is
4: Greek? What is Hebrew? What is, what is that?
0: Who needs Hebrew if I have yeah. a Schofield Bible?
4: Yep. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. I'll spare listeners my my little song about Schofield's nose. <laughs> I did it last time. It is so true. I mean, there was so many of his notes in there now and i won't say the p word again because i already said political so i won't say it again (laughs) but it it did a lot of different things to
0: christianity here in the west yeah i agree i agree i mean i mean most churches in the west that are of the of the protestant persuasion um it's all about the scofield bible that's really what it boils down to i mean I've actually been in churches. I don't know if you guys have. I've been in churches where they actually would say, you know, oh, turn to this page, oh, and it's going to be this page in your Schofield Reference Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, where it's actually, yeah. right? Well, yep. Yeah. I've been to churches like that. Since. Right. So, I mean, it's that prevalent. Printed, those Bibles, by
4: Oxford Printing Press. I will not say who funded Oxford, but the listener can Google that themselves, see where the money came from. (laughs) Always a money trail.
2: Yeah, you're right. All the money. That's good stuff, Aaron. Thank you. I don't think there was uh, trying to influence anybody. No.
0: (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Join us in part two for the rest of the conversation.